Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 74. I am your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we are excited to have with us the highly talented and acclaimed artist, author, speaker, and consultant, Karina Thurston. Karina, Hi. thank you. Thanks for coming. This is Thanks exciting for stuff. Me. <laughs> and I, I got to say, of all the, the, the different, when we were talking about before we went on the air, before that you are probably geographically the closest guest I've I, yeah. had on the show. So and we didn't really know that, but yeah. Didn't really know that, yeah. <laughs> Things you learn. That's right. I when I, I oh, dis- well. discovered you when we were uh, were both a part of the Vermont Authors Fest uh, Facebook group, right. uh, and 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 when I saw some of your stuff there, and, and you just recently came out with a book as of last December. And, uh, and it looked really interesting, really exciting book. And we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. Uh, and, but before we kind of, you know, jump right in head first, because you have a, your, your resume, your, your CV is um, extremely extensive. Uh, you are, um, you know, a, a Renaissance artist when it comes to a lot of stuff. You do speakers, you do classes, you do, you write books. Uh, you are a, a prolific colored pencil artist and we'll see some of those images uh but before that before we jump right into it you want to talk to people how you kind of fell head first into the into the art world i guess so migraine first into the (laughs) so So it's a kind of a different story than a lot of people um i so I, i didn't do artwork ever since i was a kid you know i wasn't an artist that was like you know prodigy at the age of five, you know, that kind of, that kind of artist. I liked art, but I wasn't, you know, I I didn't really do much with it. And, um, and then I went to college at the age of 18 and I, um, I was going to school for biology and anthropology. So not super art (laughs) related. Um, but within my freshman year, I actually got really, really sick. Um, and then, I kept thinking I was going to get better, right? I was, okay, I'll just push through. I'll just push through and I'll get better. And um, I just kept having thing after thing and it just kept getting worse. And I ended up having to medically withdraw from college in my freshman year. Mm. Um, I tried going back and that didn't work. (laughs) I was still really, really sick. I was just too stubborn (laughs) to, to kind of give up quite yet. So anyway, I had to, had to withdraw again. And, um, and then I was mostly bedridden for the next six and a half years. Right. So I had really severe, just a migraine 24 seven, if you can imagine. Um, I, had, I had insomnia so badly that I was sleeping probably like 20 to 40 minutes a night wow. and it lasted for years. So I was like hallucinating and shaking and having these panic attacks daily, you know, just in my own home. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't go out and do anything. I mean, I was literally in this room in my parents' house and it was like a half basement room, you know, so it was in partially in the ground. So it was kind of darkened for me. Um, and for the first couple of years, I was just in there. <laughs> I, it was me and my cat, you know, and I, um, 
there wasn't really anything I could do. My migraine was so bad that I couldn't even watch television or read, you know, because or use my computer very much because the visual, you know, aspect of it, I it just was so painful. I couldn't do that. And I couldn't really comprehend and the lack of sleep and everything. It was really I wasn't all there, you know. Um, and so I started, I don't know really sure why, <laughs> but I started, I picked up a pencil one day and this like, it was like a number two pencil that I found on the floor. And I went and found this like piece of poster board, you know, pretty big piece of poster board that was in my closet from high school. <laughs> and I was like, whatever that will do. And I dragged it up onto the bed with me and just started kind of sketching, you know? And it's funny because the thing I sketched was a, was a figure. It was a nude female. Um, and I was like, you yeah, know, okay, I'll just kind of do this. And, and I could do it a little bit at a time and just sort of distract myself for the first time in like two years um, from the pain and from the just like misery and depression and every everything else, you know. Um, and so I did that <laughs> and I was like looking at it. And I was like, this is cool. Like this turned out pretty well, but it would look so much cooler in color. You know, like my, my life is so like dark and depressing <laughs> and like horrible. <laughs> like I would love some bright color, like just some sort of color. And I was like, there's no way I can do paint. You know, like the, I'd have to sit up, I'd have to clean brushes. There, I mean, I physically could not like mm -hmm. do that. And I was like, I can't do pastels. Like they're gonna be all over the bed and my cats and you know, like <laughs> it'd be everywhere. And so I was like, I wonder, you know, I wonder if colored pencil would do it. You know, like I wonder, wonder what that would be like. Um, and I had seen a couple images of people who had done colored pencil in a really like vibrant way. And I was like, really? Like, yeah, is this, you know, I'm thinking of it in like the third grade, like sketch style, you know, they're like, okay, let me, I'll try it. So I bought like a, you know, a box of Prismacolors that was like, I don't know, 48 colors or something. And then took, I just went to town on that piece and tried to use as many colors as I possibly could. And so I put her on like a green lily pad. Her skin was purple, you know, her hair was orange. And I mean, it looked kind of ridiculous and like water, you know, blue and blue water around her. It really wasn't very good, <laughs> but it was really interesting. And I just kept going and kept doing layers and layers until there was really vibrant color. Um, and I was like, huh? that's okay, you know, colored pencil can do that. So then I immediately moved from there to um, my wildlife artwork okay. so, and and started drawing right away for, for wildlife. And uh, some of my first pieces, I still, I still exhibit them. Like they turned out well, <laughs> well enough where I, I'm okay with people still seeing them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, progressed very quickly. Let me put it that way. <laughs> right. And then it was after that, that I started doing some stuff in black and white too. So, um, which is opposite of what normal people would do, right? Like you usually start in black and white and pencils and then go to color, but I like to do things the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I started drawing after that and I just kind of kept going. So how did that, I, I'm just, so you're, 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 you're bedridden for, you know, yeah. two years. What was that conversation? Yeah. So was it like your, did you like kind of like walk up to your parents and say, Hey, next time you go out, can you buy some colored pencils? <laughs> like how did that conversation? Okay. I let's see. It's hard to remember. Cause my insomnia was so bad that my memory is just like 
you know, right. from lots yeah. of, I have like flashes and stuff, but I'm missing lots of memory pieces from that time, right. um, which probably is a good thing, <laughs> but <laughs> it's also kind of difficult. And then uh, I, I'm pretty sure I had seen like a book or something at some point before. Right. And as I'm pretty sure I had my mom go online, <laughs> but I was like, I remember Prismacolor. I remember the word Prismacolor. <laughs> I was like, go and, and, and check that out. And, uh, and we did, you know, and we just got whatever the biggest box they had, you know, like, well, like medium sized box that they had so that I could just play around. Cause I didn't know if it was going to be that one drawing, you know, or something more, you know, I had no idea. And then when I started drawing and I was like, Oh, this seems kind of good, you know, like <laughs> having no like art background and not having gone to art school and not having gone to anything and being totally socially isolated for those couple, you know, first couple of years right. and continuing after that for another few years. Um, all I had was, you know, my parents and my siblings to like show my pieces to. And I'd be like, what do you think? You know, and here I am this like horribly sick, like, <laughs> you know, dysfunctional person, they're like, it's great. <laughs> you know, like, of course it's great. You know? And then later on, a couple years later, my sister, she was like, I didn't want to tell you this when you were sick, like horribly sick, but now that you're like a little bit better, she's like, well, I'm really glad that you are good at drawing because I was like putting on like ready to put on this face of like, it's great, you know, just in case it was terrible, you know, she's like, and I'm a terrible liar. Like I just, I'm terrible. And so I feel like you would have been able to read through it. And I'm really glad that it was actually good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your, your, your stuff is, we're just looking at here, your, uh, uh, your two capuchin monkey prints here. Yeah. So let me, so this that is all in my son's bedroom. He likes that oh, one. <laughs> so, did you when you when you put this to when you when you're doing these were these references from photographs or how did you yeah did you a lot these? of them are um a lot of them are either like some of them are multiple photographs you know that are kind of i use different parts from different um photographs and some of them are from my photograph a lot of them are from my photographs or i have photography friends that are like hey here's this whole batch of you know, wildlife photography I just took, feel free to, you know, use whatever you want. So like lot the Kingfisher, for example, there's no way I ever would have gotten that photograph of the Kingfisher like popping out of the water. Right. Um, and so I had a photographer friend, um, Wendy Salisbury, who she let, you know, let me use that image and I played with the colors and hmm. made him successful with a little fish in his mouth. <laughs> um, you know, things like that. But it was, yeah, a lot of them, I get those details from, from photos. And so like, you know, a lot of artists would learn in like in, you know, in school that you would, did you ever kind of like do the grid pattern and kind of I trace it? To do that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I still do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially for commissions where you're like, okay, this eye has to be exactly right. Or the person's gonna, you know, like know that their child or whatever I'm, you know, drawing is going to be a little bit off. So I definitely use it for that as too. <laughs> right. And, and so, and, and, you know, looking at your website, you, you now, you know, years later, uh, you know, a decade later or so that you now do the, uh, you, you, you work with other mediums, correct? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, I like to mix it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one I'm working with most now is still pencil, but it's, um, it's graphite mixed with a little bit of colored pencil. 
Okay. Um, I'm doing a series right now of um, like wildlife that's endangered and um, they're, they're much bigger pieces. So I've done an elephant so far, an African elephant, a black rhino and a lion cub, and I'm working on a sea turtle. Um, and when they get, when I get enough of them done, yeah, there's the elephant. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's a fan favorite. <laughs> it was one of the first ones I did with this kind of, it's graphite and um, like black and white colored pencils to get the black really black. And, and, um, and so it's, that was the first one I did of that kind of series. I was just sort of playing around with it and I really liked it. So I kept, kept going. <laughs> Um, and they're much bigger than my, my typical pieces too. And so when I get enough of them done, I'm hoping to do an exhibit of just those like big black and white images. Um, and, and maybe even like a traveling exhibit of those and have information next to them about the endangered species, um, mm. that you can learn how, you know, what organizations are supporting them and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's been really fun. It's been cool. <laughs> it's a little bit different, but it's also really similar. Right. Um, and it's been, it's been really fun. So. Cause you also do not just wildlife. I mean, this is, you know, one of your, uh, one of your passions, but also you do, as you, as you mentioned, how much, how much of the work you do now is, is now through, um, you know, people, uh, um, hiring you to do projects like commissions and stuff commissions i only because of my health so i'm still not 100 healthy especially mm. this past year i've been really so after i gave birth to my son josiah um 16 months ago i have had a roller coaster of health issues with like thyroid and and other things and um and so especially like this past year i haven't taken almost any <laughs> you know commissions and stuff right. So I limit the amount of commissions I take. Um, and that's because they limit the amount of money I can make off of them and they take a long time for me to do. Right. Um, so I only do a handful a year usually. Um, and lots of times it's like a pet portrait or a portrait for someone of their child or you know something like that. Um, I've done a few kind of weird ones. You know, I did an ultrasound for someone one time. Um, <laughs> they wanted it bigger and then, you know, kind of like I did it with like charcoal and stuff. Um, and I was like, okay, I've never met your wife before, but I'm, you know, drawing the inside of her womb. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so I've done a few nudes, you know, for people. Um, <laughs> and I've, and I've done a couple paintings of my, just of my own of like sunsets and stuff just to sort of mix it up every once in a while. Color pencil is just a little too time intensive and very detailed. I mean, it just takes, you know, it takes hundreds of hours to do a piece. And every once in a while, you just need to be like, okay, I need to just like paint a canvas, <laughs> just mix it up or like do charcoal with my fingers, you know, like I need to do something that's loose and just sort of different right? because it can get pretty intense, you know? So. Right. And, and you were, and you, and, and you wrote a book, uh, you wrote a book called, you know, how to build, you know, your art business. Yeah. Now, a part of that is, uh, you, and uh, a part of, there it is right there. <laughs> <Came prepared. laughs> uh, that came out in 2017. And is that a part of that when you talk about any aspects of that, it talks about commissions, like the time yeah. you put in needs to reflect 
Yeah, for sure. Like that. So I talk about it in the, because it's how to build your art business with limited time or energy, you know, mm. which is what a lot of us are. <laughs> but, <laughs> but me too, like with the chronic health problems, I have very limited time and energy to do any of this work. Right. And I, I do a lot of different things, like you said. <laughs> um, so it's, um, I talk about, you know, if you're going to do commissions, if that's going to be one of your like main parts of your art business, that's fine. But you need to remember that, you know, you, you have to be the person doing it, right? Um, and it's going to take a certain amount of time to do those things. So you're limiting how much you can do. Um, and so, you know, you're, you want to pay yourself well for that time and work. Um, but you also limit, let's, you know, if you say you make, you know, a thousand dollars per piece and you can do 50 of them a year, like some, you know, then it's 50, you know, $50,000. That's your, that's your thing. You know, that's what you're limited to if that's what you're going to be doing. Um, and you also need to find those, you know, have time to find those clients or have them find you, um, which sometimes can be easy and sometimes can be really hard, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. But for me, you know, I only take a handful of those because they do limit that amount of time. And in my contract with my clients, I always write in, you know, they one, they can't put me on a deadline just because of health problems. Um, So that takes that pressure like off right away. And then um, two, I get the rights to the drawing. So I use their image that they give me and I, you know, create the piece for them. They get the original drawing. Um, and then I get the rights to use that piece for greeting cards or, you know, whatever prints or put it on pillows or any of my other products that I make. And that way my commission piece can still make more money. I want to keep my commissions reasonably priced, you know? Um, and so then I can, I can do that and still potentially make more money, you know, for years, you know, off of those pieces. And if it's like a really cute dog or something, you know, then I can make greeting cards and, and things like that, put them in a calendar, you know, all that kind of stuff and keep, you know, continue to make money off of those. Right. And so far people have not had a problem with that. I've made a couple of exceptions for things that are portraits. Um, But, you know, in general, and would like would you recommend in situations like that where you would negotiate to say, hey, listen, if um, if you want to make sure you retain the entire image and and I don't use it for any reproduction values, it'll cost you more. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So and and most people have not had a problem with that, so I haven't had to deal with that too much. But um, but yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Yep. And depending on the medium, would you also would that factor in like you said using colored pencils yeah, for to sure. a lot more. My black and white pieces take fewer pencils to you, you know, to use, and just way less time—not way less, but less time. <laughs> and uh, the colored pencil pieces are definitely more expensive. Right. Um, and I tend to do them less frequently for commissions because it's just more challenging and just, yeah, it's it's uh, much more time-consuming. Um, and because I'm so limited with my time. I want to be able to kind of whip them out a little bit <laughs> when right. it's a commission, get it done, get it off my plate, <laughs> you know, get it, that happy customer and then move on to whatever I'm, I'm working on. Right. Um, a lot of my pieces are just pieces that I do for my own, you know, pleasure and hope that my audience likes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> so well, would you like, also there's a, do you, when it comes to those questions of, of, you know, setting up a commission, uh, do you ever have those kind of like those 
you know, honest conversations and say, listen, I know you want it, it this big, but uh, it's kind of out of your price range. <laughs> like, do you like, do you have to kind of say, listen, you, yeah. So to all the artists out there, <laughs> when you're doing anything commission based, you know, like you're going to come across so many different types of people. <laughs> so you're going to have the people who want you to do it for free because they think it's super easy, right? And you're just drawing like, it's just it's your pastime. It should be fine. It'll take you like an hour. <laughs> yeah. People who don't understand like how much effort goes into it and time. And, and then it takes you away from doing other work that could make you money. Right. Um, and so, and then you're going to have the people who try to negotiate to a lower price and that kind of stuff. And then you're going to have the people who are like, Oh, I don't care what it costs. Go ahead. And you know, like <laughs> you're like, okay. <laughs> um, and then, you know, lots of different things. And sometimes you have people who send you an image where you're like, where's the dog you want me to draw in this picture? You know, like this blurry, like little dot over here is the image. And they're like, I can't, I can't do that. You know, like in my contract, it's like only, you know, I need to say that the image is okay. You know, to approve of the image, it has to be a high quality image to work from. Cause I can only draw what I see. Right. Um, and I always have them give me 50% of the commission rate um, in upfront. Right. And that's non-refundable. So if they don't like the piece at the end, okay, they'll keep the other 50%, right? But um, they, I mean, I get at least that 50%, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important. I know a lot of artists who have been gypped over and over again by people who don't pay at all. And right. I don't start a piece until I have that payment. And that's right. just... I, you know, <laughs> I want to be paid at least for like the materials and stuff that are really going into it. So, right. um, and I think that, I think that's really important and having contract in general is really important and it doesn't have to be like complicated. It can just be, you write it up right in the like five things that you want to make sure, you know, and have them sign and date it and, you know, send it back to you. Like that's, that's all it really needs to be. Um, and I think it's really, it's a really good idea. A lot of artists are just like, Oh, sweet a commission, you know, like this person's going to pay me 400 bucks to do this piece. Okay. You know, and just go and do it. And cause they're excited to have that, that work, you know, and you got to kind of stop and, and, you know, cover your bases there. Cause people will try to, to undercut you, you know, they'll try to get whatever they can for as little as they can. Right. Um, and people won't value your time necessarily as much as they should, cause they don't understand it. Right. Yeah. And and do you like uh, you know throughout the process of the commission process there's is there a point of no return where you say you show them a sketch or something ahead of time and say no, yeah we're getting more permanent here so yeah well it's hard it's especially hard with colored pencil because you can't erase it you know right. it's like working with pen or something you know like once you get that layer down like <laughs> it's gonna be pretty pretty challenging to change it at all um, and especially if they think that like okay, if they want to make it a little darker or something, you might be able to kind of add some more layers, but if they want to make something lighter, it'd be pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. Or if they want to change any sort of like aspect of it, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so um, yeah, I definitely send them, you know, updates as it goes along um, and then hope for the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's a point at which you just like, I can't change that, you know? Right. Um, so, and so you, as you're doing, as you're doing your, you know, mainly your colored pencil stuff that, uh, 
and then you, you showed the book before in 2017, you came out with a book, you know, called how to build your art business. Uh, and then in 2018, you came as how to communicate, uh, effectively, effectively for artisans. So what were the inspiration behind this? Was there some parallel track that was happening while you're doing your art? Um, yeah. while I work on a commission. So talk to us a bit about how those parallel tracks kind of complemented yeah. each other. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that's 2017. Yeah. So in 2014, I was finally diagnosed. Um, so I, I had gone like six and a half years of being oh. going to see doctor after doctor after doctor. And um, in 2014, I was finally diagnosed at least partially. Um, we found out later I have more problems, <laughs> but at least partially diagnosed um, with chronic Lyme disease and chronic Bartonella, which is another tick-borne illness. Um, mm -hmm. And it was like two types of pneumonia and Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune illness attacking my thyroid. Mm -hmm. And so we had we finally had so like something to work on, you know. And for the six and a half years before, like for the first two years, you still have hope. <laughs> that you're gonna get better. You know, you're like, okay, next year, maybe I'll go back to school. Okay, next year, maybe I'll be well enough where I can go back to school. You know, like you, right. you just keep trying to, to keep that hope alive, right? And then after two years or so, where you're just getting worse, you know, you're not getting any better. The light at the end of the tunnel kind of disappears. Right. And that's when I started drawing. Yeah. So that helped me kind of stay sane, you know, through some of that. Um, but then in 2014, it was like this little glimmer, you know, kind of down there where I was like, okay, I'm still sick, you know, I'm still feeling horrible, but at least now we have some sort of diagnosis. We have something we can work with. And so I started to get a little bit better as we started long-term treatment, which I'm still on. Um, and so in 2015, the next year, I decided to register as a business um, and really try to make, you know, turn my artwork into a business. It was like the very end of 2015. Mm. And in the beginning of 2016, I went to um, like a two day class. Um, I did two of them. I did one in Vermont with the, um, the Vermont Arts Council put on a two day thing about, you know, creating an art business, all the legal kind of things you have to do. And then I went to one in DC, um, which thankfully I felt okay, but I had my mom like escort me to there. And like, <laughs> I was sitting there like trying to take notes and had my dark sunglasses on, you know, like that creepy person in the corner. Like, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and the, you know, and I go back to the hotel at night and then I go back and it was terrible. But anyway, um, so during that, um, so it was put on by the Arts Business Institute. Uh -huh. um, it's run by Carolyn Edlund and she was having consultations at the end of it for people. And they're like 20 minute consultations that she would just kind of, you know, talk to you about your, what you're doing and tell you if it was a good idea or not. <laughs> and so she was very blunt, very, and she was great. And so I signed up for one of those cause I was like, I'm here. I got I just might as well do it. You know, my anxiety was like through the roof. Cause yeah. I just was so like, my anxiety was just bad all the time. I mean, I was having panic attacks at home. Mm. <laughs> you know? Like, let's, let's just do it. Um, and so I was talking to her about, you know, I'm sick, you know, I'm trying to do this and this and this. Like, 
I'm trying to build my artwork up despite health, you know, things. And so everything I was saying, she was like, yeah, that sounds really good, blah, blah, blah. And then she called me up like a couple days later and she's like, can I interview you? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, no, I think what you were saying about having this like limited time and energy is really important. And it's, it's not just you, you know? And I think what you were trying to do to do like passive income and different, you know, kind of shying away from some commission stuff, you know, like some of those things is really good. And I think we could, you know, a lot of people would be really interested in that. Mm -hmm. So we did um, like a blog interview um, and it ended up being one of our top 10 posts of 2016. Oh, so wow. a lot of people that were reading it and really interested in it. And that kind of triggered the idea for the book is that like, okay, okay I'm not the only one out there trying to do this, you know? Um, and I like, I, I just kept thinking about it and think about it. So then I took a journal and just started like brainstorming, you know, some ideas and things. And I sort of planned out chapter by chapter. And then I just sat down and wrote for like six days, you know, and I just, my fingers were cramping, you know, I just, and I, I was like, this is, this seems like it's important because it's just coming out of me, you know, like it's just flying. And, um, and it was, you know, it was, it was really good. And um, the, it, it helped a lot of people. And I got some, some beta readers, you know, to help me read through it and see what they thought. And, um, you know, some of them are still my biggest fans and, and, <laughs> book and you know, um, there some of their testimonials, you know, are in the front and, and for a little, little while, it was one of the number, it was the number one bestseller on Amazon in the art business category. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Which not too long after I, I launched it, which was really amazing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been, it's, there's a lot of anecdotes about, you know, this is why I suggest doing it this way, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, it's helped a lot of people, which is great. And then the second book came from everyone was talking about how I write, which is just like very conversational. Okay. Um, They're like, man, I feel like I'm just sitting down and having a conversation with you. You know, like it's there was so easy to read. And like, it's just, you know, you've simplified everything so well and, you know, things like that. And so and I get complimented a lot from galleries and people like that in the media about my proposals and, you know, um, really any sort of like communication <laughs> about how, how clear it is, how articulate, how, you know, whatever. And so the next book came about the how to communicate effectively for artists and creatives from all of those kind of conversations and, and things like that. And it talks a lot about like how to make a great artist statement, you know, mm -hmm. how to, you know, do some grant writing, you know, what's the best option for that. And, how to reach out to your local media, um, how to, you know, how to do all these different things. And I think it's even more important than the first book, actually, you know, because it's all about like, it's all about marketing. Communication right. is marketing, you know? And so the way that you speak, the way that you, um, your, your marketing materials, you know, your pamphlets, your website, your, you know, all of these different things are all communication. And so the better that you can communicate who you are, you know, and why your work is interesting or different, it, the better you're going to have for sales and, you know, customers and clients coming back and talking about you, you know, that word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all about communication. 
So really the book is how to effectively market <laughs> your work. <laughs> and and so after that, and so that came out in 2018 and mm -hmm. the, this was happening also apparel. So from a, like a proactive nature to this or something where, where, as you say, you have limited time, how yeah. did that affect you also with, uh, you know, li limited passion in the, the different aspects of what you do as from being a speaker to be now at this point in time, being an author and also, um, yeah. being an artist, uh, how did how were you able to balance these and was that actually a benefit for you to um, have different works and progresses at the same time yeah it's good for me i think because my brain goes in lots of different directions <laughs> i'm not good at doing one thing at a time and i'll get burned out pretty quickly so i'm not i'm not a very typical artist um in how i started or you know any other way really but i i can't do it every day, you know, and, and physically I can't do it every day or every month even anyway. Right. But, um, I get really excited about a piece and I'll start it and I'll work on it. And then at, once I'm done, I'm a little bit burnt out. So it's great to be able to go then to the marketing materials that I need to create or to a speech or write some into my book. So this past year when I was really not doing well, you know, um, I focused a lot on writing the third book, you know, the how to crush self doubt. Mm -hmm. And it went along with my Ted talk, you know, which um, talks about a lot of similar, similar things. And it just sort of, it, it melds them together in a way that, you know, I can work on one and then take a break and it kind of come at the next piece with fresh eyes, you know, and then work on the next thing. Um, it means that sometimes I go a couple months without, doing one or the other, you know, because I'm focusing heavily on a launch of a book or mm. you know, this or that. Um, but sometimes those breaks are good. You know, sometimes you come back with this kind of renewed, you know, energy for whatever it is you're doing, or if it's writing or, I mean, I haven't given, because of COVID, you know, my speeches for the whole year were like thrown out. Um, so I haven't given a speech since I, right before I, my last workshop that I did was um, like four days before my due date. <laughs> I went right up to the edge there. Um, and, and I haven't given like a speech or, or a workshop since then. Um, and so that's the other thing about having multiple things that I do is that I, you know, even taking out the speeches, I, I was okay. You know, um, I had other things to fall back on, you know, and, and I tried to adapt by creating masks with my artwork on it and, you know, kind of adapting to the situation, doing more online, mm -hmm. um, things like that. But it was, yeah, I, I just sort of shift from one to the next, depending on how my head is doing. I still have a chronic headache mm -hmm. every day for the last 12 and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always a migraine anymore, which is fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, for a normal person, like I don't sleep well and I have a headache every day <laughs> and some fatigue and, you know, things like that. Um, it's, yeah, it's still a big struggle, but it's nice to be able to switch back and forth depending on how I feel. Right. I mean, and also too, is like, you know, talking to other, you know, just, you know, you know, talking to other artists and stuff, you know, during, you know, the pandemic, it's 
almost everybody I talked to, as soon as lockdown happened last year, be like, great, I can start working. You know, and like I can do all these kind of projects I've been waiting for. Yeah, you know, then all of a sudden, when you read, talk to them, it's like, I just don't have the energy. Like, everybody. Yeah. No, we're all like depressed and <laughs> anxious and can't sleep and can't focus. I mean, it's terrible. I think that's part of why, like, the third, so the third book, the one that just came out, and this one, um, you know, I think that's, it's a great time for it to come out because, I mean, it's not just about self-doubt. It's about depression and anxiety and, and things like that and and how those can relate to self-doubt, right? And it's all these techniques that, like, can help those things that are really simple techniques. Like you, you were talking about the gratitudes, you know, doing 10 gratitudes a day, writing them down and how it can help change your perspective on life to focus, you know, you're training your brain to try and find and look for like all those little positive things in your life instead of dwelling on all the negative things. Right. Um, so there's a lot of like retraining your brain. And I think a lot of people need that right now because we're, we're going to be coming out of this quarantine, you know, where we've all been kind of locked up and, and a lot of people are like so excited, but then once they get out into the world, they're going to be anxious. Like they've never been before, you know, and like worried about stuff and just feeling really uncomfortable in their own skin. And you know, we've all been very depressed and very, you know, there's been a lot of different issues that have been brought up by this whole thing. A lot of people have had people who have died, you know, I mean, it just haven't been able to see loved ones for, you know, a year, over a year. Right. Um, and it's just been really, really challenging, no matter what your situation. And so I think this book, based on what the readers who have read it so far are telling me, you know, I think it's it's a really important. And I think that it's, um, I think it could help a lot of people. Mm. A lot of the people who have read it so far bought extra copies to give and like sent me messages, you know, and they're like, I'm going to give this to my kids. <laughs> I'm going to give this to my sister. I'm going to give this to, you know, like this is going to help help people. And it's um, it's interesting because like I, I have suffered from depression and stuff for quite a long time because of situations and and health, you know, and just insomnia and everything else. But I can't really take um, antidepressants; they make me suicidal. Mm. Um, so over and over and over again, we discovered that. And so it's really that's really challenging. So like, what do you do, <laughs> you know? Um, if you can't take the sleep meds because those are antidepressants, you know, most of those are antidepressants. So you're still not sleeping. You can't take, you know, any of these medicines. Um, so instead, I mean, that's how I learned all these different techniques. Hmm. That's how research and experimentation, you know, and just time and failure and read learning stuff. And I just learned how to retrain my brain to, to kind of flip things around. Cause like at first <laughs> when you're bedridden <laughs> and you're in like horrible agonizing pain every single day for years, you know, yeah. you, and then you read somewhere or someone tells you or something that, you know, gratitude will help you, you know? And you're like, really, <laughs> you know, like I like can't function. <laughs> like, I am stuck in a room by myself all day long and I'm in excruciating pain. Like there's no point to my life, you know, like there was, there, nothing was, was good, you know? And I was like, this is, this is horrible. Like I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Like this is, this is horrible. And, and there was no light at the end of the tunnel, right? There was nothing for so many years. 
and then to be like gratitude will help you feel better and i'm like i don't think you know what you're talking about you know like <laughs> and but it's kind of stuck with me you know and i started kind of thinking about it more and more and i write about this in my book but it's like suddenly one night you know my mom's like bringing me dinner because i could i couldn't make food i couldn't do any of that so she brings down the dinner to like my darkened room. <laughs> She's whispering, you know, because my migraine's so bad that we had to whisper to talk to each other sometimes. Yeah. And usually I just like eat the food, you know, and be like, thank you, <laughs> you know. And instead that night, you know, I was like, so like, I was, well, I guess I'm really thankful, you know, that I have someone to make me food, you know, like healthy, my dad, you know, does the cooking and I was like the healthy, like nutritional food. And I'm glad I have my mom to come down and talk to me, you know, that to have some, you know, sort of socialization. I mean, I'm glad I have my parents to talk to, even though we have to whisper. <laughs> you know, I'm glad I have a place to live because otherwise I would have died. I mean, I would have died without my parents. Right. Um, there's no question. I mean, there's just no question. Um, and then, you know, I was glad that I had like warm, I was really cold all the time. I was glad I had a warm blankets, you know, and a bed to lie on. I was grateful for, you know, hot water and indoor plumbing. You know, I was grateful for, you know, I just started going around and the sunglasses that I could wear and like, you know, all these different things, my cats for coming in and distracting me. And, you know, so it was, it was interesting because I remember that night really distinctly and it was just this, this flip, you know, so every day after that, I'd be like, okay, I'm grateful that I did that drawing on the wall. You know, I'd frame them, put them on the wall to remind myself that like I did that. <laughs> I'm good for something. Because <laughs> it was, it was like the only thing that I was able to do at all for years. And and it was good. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I, I can produce something. Because otherwise I just felt like this huge burden on all the people around me. I just felt like I was just... I was just this huge weight of guilt. Right. And I talk about guilt in the book too. And it's it's unnecessary because I didn't do anything wrong, you know, but I, you still feel that guilt, you know, if you get injured, if you get sick, if you are, have financial problems, if you have, you know, whatever, you feel all this guilt, even though you don't necessarily, you know, you haven't necessarily done anything wrong. And guilt should only be used for that. <laughs> you know, if I like insulted you, and you know, then I, you know, I can feel guilty. <laughs> but you know, for for falling sick and being in this horrible, miserable state, that wasn't my fault. You know, and uh, and it takes a really long time to train your brain to to realize that um, and to work around that because it's not helping. It's just this huge boulder on you that just makes you feel even worse. You know, it's, and if you just like chuck it off the cliff, you know, then you feel a lot better. And so looking at do you feel that you know with that whether you know your your first book, uh, you know the first like how to build your art business, and then your and then this this most recent book on how to crush self doubt, um, is there any aspects in that that might be contradictory to each other in the sense of there might like for instance like thinking about like artists now that during the pandemic like say if they don't have the creative energy to sit yeah. down and write, but but they might be able to say, well, now I have to be on Instagram, I have to be on Twitter. And um, <laughs> yeah, no. it's, uh, I think a lot of it's actually really complimentary. Okay, so okay. the way, cause the way I talk about it in the first book is, is about respecting your limitations. Um, I talk about that a lot and I, 
and I talk about that in the, the most recent book. And I have a whole chapter in the most recent book specifically for artists and creatives about like creative self-doubt, you know, and things like that. And being like confident calling yourself an artist, you know, it takes some of us a really long time. It took me a really long time to like confidently say, oh yeah, I'm an artist, you know, like that's what I do. Even if it's just a side gig, you know, like right. lots of people will be like, oh, I draw sometimes or, you know, like they don't, like if you, if you do artwork, you are an artist, you know, mm -hmm. if you've ever sold anything, then you're a professional artist, you know, you've made money from, from your artwork. I mean, that's the definition, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you want to call yourself a professional, even if you've only sold like a 50 cent sticker, you know, you're a professional artist. Like it's, it's, it's okay to say that, you know, and you don't have to hesitate or be, you know, kind of wishy-washy about it. You can just say it like you're, you're an artist. Um, and so, and once I started saying it more confidently, I got a lot less reactions of like, Oh, what do you, what do you do with your real job? <laughs> you know, like that kind of, once I started saying it, more firmly and whipping out my business card, you know, to show them, you know, like, yeah, I do colored pencil. And then they, that's colored pencil. What? <laughs> you know, and it starts that conversation. And I got a, I got a lot less of those questions about, <laughs> can you do this for free? Or, um, you know, what do you do for your real job? Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think respecting your limitations is really important. Um, like I've had a sinus infection for the last three weeks. And I've had to lie down, you know, when my son lies down for like the last three weeks. <laughs> so the audiobook I'm making of my book has been put on hold, you know, until I can get rid of this. And then, you know, just different things that have to be put on hold. Um, that's why in my contract with commissions, I say no deadline, you know. Um, but I also think that sometimes you have to start something to get your creative muse going, mm -hmm. you know. Sometimes it's like exercising, right? Like, uh, 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 you know, I, I should, I know it'll make me feel better. I don't really want to, you know, but sometimes once you start, you're like, okay, yeah. Like you get into it and you, you do feel better afterwards. And it's, it can be the same with your creative work too, you know? So it's, if you kind of start it and then if you're still not feeling it, okay, you know, you gave it a shot and you can back away and try to do something else. Um, and, and again, I like to, if I feel well enough, I like to mix it up. Like if I try to do a drawing and I'm like, this is not working, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try writing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's not working. Okay. How about marketing materials? You know, like, okay. Or how about doing some research to try to find, you know, where my next speech should be or you know, things like that. Like, you can have lots of different things you can kind of fall back on to see what your brain's doing that that day or whatever. Right. Um, I also talk about like your working style a lot. And sometimes we don't realize what our like optimal working style is. It's, you know, I have different working styles for different pro like projects that I'm doing. When I'm writing, I really like it to be silent. Like mm -hmm. I just, when I'm reading or writing, like it, it just helps me a lot to be just silent. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when I'm writing fiction, which I'm, I'm writing my first novel. Oh, wow. <laughs> so anyway, but so exclusive, this was an exclusive <laughs> announcement right now. Huh? Look at that. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs> um, so like, I just, I need it to be silent to just get into my head, you know, and really get into that, that mode and, and see, see what I'm talking about. Um, 
And then when I'm doing artwork, I cannot have it be silent. <laughs> I, I need music or like the TV going in the background with something probably that I've seen before, like West Wing. <laughs> Um, you know, some, just, just something to like, keep me, keep me going. Right. Um, it's been a little hard since I've gotten a little bit healthier because I do have a little more energy before I was stuck in bed and like, didn't have the option to do anything else. And so I could sit there, you know, and come back and forth energy wise for a drawing and, and get a lot done. And now I'm like, mm -hmm, you know, like kind of antsy, like I, I, it's harder for me to sit still now. Right. Um, but you know, there's different working styles for different people. And, and lots of times you might think that like, okay, if you schedule out, you know, your day, you're going to be super productive. Right. I tried that. That didn't work for me. <laughs> it was terrible. I was like the least productive I've ever been my whole life. Um, but when I don't do a schedule, when I kind of do like a loose, you know, idea right. of what's going on, I was way more productive, you know, it's, and it's totally illogical, you know, but it's what worked for me, you know? And so to be more productive, which is part of the first book, right? How to be more productive. Cause you, when you have less time and energy, you want to be as productive as possible during that time that you have yeah. and, and like efficient, you know? And so I was like, okay, you gotta, you gotta figure that out. You know, like what play, play around with it, you know, like play some music, see if it helps. I don't know. Like maybe it would and maybe it won't. <laughs> so, and, and also too, maybe this cut, uh, you know factors in a little bit on your second book as well. Um, how explicit do, would you recommend artists to do on actually like creating a brand, or do you would say it, it kind of has to be organic? Or how? Yeah. What would be some of your advice on that? I do talk about brand. There's a chapter in the second book about branding as an artist. Yeah, and it's it's hard as artists because some of us are very. Um, exotic. <laughs> I don't know. Some of us are very, you know, wild and outspoken. And, you know, I know this, this woman who's amazing and she wears like these super oversized, like paint covered overalls to all of her stuff, you know? Um, and like, you know, I, I wouldn't do that. I want to wear like the, you know, kind of nicer, like not super nice because Vermont, you know, yeah. but <laughs> you know, like kind of more professional stuff. And that's what makes me feel more comfortable. And I feel like I'm presenting myself, you know, to, to people and I want them to know that I'm a professional. Well, it's hard with artists because you want to be seen as professional and you also want to be seen as unique, right? And you want to be memorable and you want to be, you know, all these different things. And so, you got to find a balance between like, how do you represent yourself well professionally while maintaining that like creative integrity and, and kind of style of your own, you know? Right. Yeah. And lots of times some branding will, will come, you know, it'll just be, that's the type of artwork you like to do, you know? And it's like, I do a lot of wildlife and colored pencil. Okay. I've been like deemed the colored pencil artist, you know, <laughs> like that's what people call me. They're like, wait a second aren't you the colored pencil artist, you know, cause they've never seen colored pencil like that before. And that sort of came organically. I didn't, I didn't go into it doing that, you know, right. it just yeah, sort right. of happened, <laughs> which is great because people could remember me better. Right. And that's kind of the idea of a brand is that you can remember something better like the Nike swoosh, you know, like you're going to, anytime you see that, you know what it is, you know? Right. And so for an artist, it's really hard because we don't necessarily have like a, a logo that's going to be on everything. I, I do have a logo and I put it on like my books and my website and stuff, but it's not necessarily, you know, it's not like on each piece of artwork, you know? Right. So 
it's difficult, but it's possible to try to figure out what is uniquely you and present that to the world in a consistent way. I think that's that's branding is consistent marketing of your of your work. And um, so, yeah, prof- for me, you know, semi-professional <laughs> clothes and things like that. I mean, that's part of it when I'm out and about. But it's also like my business card, which I don't have with me right now. My business card is um, black and has three p- th- thumbnails of my artwork and the same kind of text that my website has. My website is also black and has the same type of, you know, images. My brochures do the same thing, you know. So when they're lined up at a craft fair or something, you can tell that they all go together. They're mm-hmm. all the same thing. It's all branded, right? Just by kind of looking similar. Right. Um, and that way people kind of remember it better. And so, and then, yeah, if something pops up like the colored pencil artist, like jump on it. You'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I'm the colored pencil artist. <laughs> you <laughs> might know me as, you know, or like the sick artist, which, but um, so just, just be open to whatever pops up because sometimes you don't have control over parts of it. Right. <laughs> it's just what people are going to remember. And people really remember stories, you know, and I think part of my brand is my story, right? Mm. It's the, the sick artist <laughs> falling ill and starting from bed. And that's how I started colored pencil and, and, you know, all these things. It That's part of my brand now. It's not something I, initially intended you know it just sort right. of happened and that's the story that people remember really well right and so that's that's what happens you know i mean that's how you get word of mouth you're like mm-hmm. i heard about this woman she was really sick she was in bed she's like she does this stuff with color pencil it's crazy you know so and and do you and do you feel too like there's a, the the benefit of kind of like diversifying your portfolio by writing books as well? Um, uh, does that help or hinder? Do you think as the, the for the branding process? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I so my business name is Karina A Thurston Studios. It's Cat Studios, yeah. and I made that business name back in 2015 when all I did was artwork. Right. And I specifically remember making it studios instead mm. of art because I, I don't know if I had an inkling or, or not about, um, you know, that I would branch out. <laughs> so that's my umbrella sort of organization, right? And then, I, I mean, lots of times with branding, you don't want to branch out too much because right. you'll kind of confuse your audience, right? Mm. You're like, wait a second, do you do landscapes or do you do... <laughs> this or to do abstract like what what's happening here um you might even want different websites for different things you know like you might want you know i i think before too long my website is going to have like a, a top image of me and then almost you know three different websites for art speaking and books you know and you'll click on which one you're kind of there for right and um and then you can you know the art one would bring you to the website i have now you know and you know, speaking one would bring you to like a, a smaller website that would just talk about that, and and then the other one for books, you know, to kind of separate it out just a little bit more. Right. Um, but I also think, I mean, the books is how I started speaking. Okay. So I had um, a gallery in Burlington see the book and ask me if I'd be willing to come in and give a couple, you know, presentations about like artist statements and business planning and that kind of stuff to their um, 
to their clients, you know? And I was like, <laughs> when I was in high school and I gave speeches, I broke out in hives. <laughs> so sure. <laughs> Seems like a good opportunity. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, I should wear a turtleneck <laughs> and put on some makeup. And, you know, I was like trying to prepare myself because my anxiety was really high, like I said, anyway. Right. And literally, I would break out in hives when I gave presentations in high school. Right. So it wasn't a logical leap for me, but I knew it would be good for me, pushing myself outside my comfort zone, right? And I wondered if it could help other people. Hmm. So I I was like, sure, yeah, let's let's do it, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of how the TED talk happened too. I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, let's do it. <laughs> and you also have uh, you also have another website too. I do. This one's newer, and it's kind of based on you know the most recent book and the TED talk and stuff. I'm sort of branching into this happiness and and uh, self doubt yeah. and you know trying to overcome like anxiety and depression and things like that just because I think it's so prevalent in every, everything, <laughs> you know, everything that we do, everybody, everybody's struggling. And, and I don't think we realize it as much because we don't talk about it. Right. And I talk in my book, there's a chapter about being open and I think it's really important and we don't do it enough, you know, right. be open about our struggles and what is happening. I've had people, so I've had like newspaper articles and, and TV appearances and stuff. And, people always come to me afterwards and are like, I, you're so brave, you know, and you're so honest and, and you've made me feel so much better knowing that I'm not the only one dealing with, you know, whatever it is, chronic illness or, you know, yeah. and that's fantastic. And it, it really moves me to do that. And I'm, I'm feel so good helping those people, but also like those people, a lot of those people are like, but I'm not willing to tell anybody else, even my closest friends that I'm sick or, or whatever it is. So they're, they're feeling, you know, so touched by my story and better, feeling better about themselves because of it, but they're not willing to be open about their own struggles, you know, mm. which can help. It helps me, right, to process kind of those feelings and, and things. And it helps other people in ways that you would have no, no idea, you know. People have come to me with things that I just blows my mind. You know, people have been cr like crying when they shake my hand after a presentation. And I'm just like, I'm just blown away. You know, you, you I had no idea that's the effect I would have. Do um, you think, do you, do you think too, with the, as we're coming out of, as we're, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for, for COVID, uh, yeah. do you think that one of the, one of the benefits, I guess, of COVID-19 is now that we're, we're in a shared trauma and it's going to normalize anxiety and stress that people will be able to talk to it more, talk about I it more. So yeah, I mean, we're definitely there's definitely people who have never experienced it before who are now, yeah. And there's people who are much worse, you know, now who had it kind of under control, you know. Like I, I had my depression and anxiety pretty well under control, and then I gave birth, yeah. and my system went totally out of whack, and I have postpartum depression, yeah. And I can't treat it really because I can't take any of the, the meds, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you, you know, when it's a physical system problem and like yeah. a thyroid and, you know, other things, like, what do you do, you know? Right. And so, you know, you, that's what these techniques are for. It's, it's to try and help with all of that. And it's funny because, so my sister lives in Essex and with her husband and her daughter, and we haven't seen them very much, you know? I mean, we just, 
she's in school, you know, and it, it's high risk for, you know, I immunocompromised and then we have a baby. And so we haven't been able to really see them. And we told them we had something to drop off one day and we were going to come up and just see them outside with masks on and just, and they were like, Oh my God, you know, like, okay. Ah. And they were so like excited and anxious, you know, at the same time, they're like, I need to do some dishes. I need to do some of this. I need to do that, you know, to like waste the time before we got there, you know, and we weren't even going to like really see each other. Right. <laughs> and, but it was so like exciting and anxiety ridden, you know, and it was like even just our family. Right. So it's, it's really, and then it was sort of like, not anticlimactic, but it was great to see them, but you, you can't like hug them, right. <laughs> you know, you can't be like, here's the baby later, like here, hold them. And so it's, it's still really hard. Um, but it, but it was great, but it's, uh, I think everyone's gonna be surprised at how they, they handle going back into society in a more normal way, you know? Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Daniel and I went to, I can't remember where we were, like Home Depot or something. And we'd barely been anywhere. You know, it was like the first time we'd, and he, all of a sudden he was like, there's a lot of people in here. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, really? Like, you don't have social anxiety. I do. You know? <laughs> He's like, I feel like there's a lot of people. And there was like four. <laughs> you know? So, so it's, it's different. You know, it's going to be, it's right. going to be a challenge. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think we're talking about it more. Right. So hopefully we'll all kind of be like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, uh, so Karina, we are now we're 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 at our hour mark already. So yeah, we're going to run by quick. So, um, so where where can people find find your stuff if they want to follow you again? Yeah, I mean, my website is my name.com. So C O R R I N A T H U R S T O N dot com. KarinaThurston.com. And then um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter a little bit. <laughs> and uh, just, yeah, I mean, and then findyourhappiness.info uh, is the other one. So okay. either of those is, is great or Google me or Amazon or, you know, <laughs> any of those things. Right. Yeah. But Perfect. And I'm, I'm always, people can reach out to me anytime. I answer all my own emails and it may not be that day, <laughs> depending on how I feel, but I get back to all of them. So, right. And we should get you back. So you have, it also looks like you have another book in the works, how to think like an entrepreneur. Yeah. So that will be coming out. I think I'm going to do the the novel first, <laughs> Okay. Perfect. which I'm, I'm, let's just say I'm done the first draft. So I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I'm getting there. All right. <laughs> And you, and you should come back on the show and, and we'll talk about your, your fiction book then too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think working title is fixation. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. It's about light fixtures. Is that what it's about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, thriller. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much. It was, it was a, it was a genuine pleasure chatting with you. This has been Yeah, great. no, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Are those some of your artwork behind you? Are those your uh, yeah. There's there's a photograph of the of us as a family, and then there's some there's let's see. Ooh, my 
tree frog is over there. Okay. <laughs> We've got some uh, snow leopard. Oh, wrong way. Over okay. There. But yeah, a lot of my artwork is around the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good thing about making your own artwork. You never, you, you never have to worry about like not having like uh, empty spaces on your walls. You can always fill it up with something. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is nice. Like, oh, this room is green. All right, let's put in some green stuff. Let's see. <laughs> the room's blue. Okay, we'll do the kingfisher and the loon and. 